What's up, everyone? July 17th, 2018. Welcome to Washington Football Crunch. I am Mike Chen, joined alongside Luke Monger and Jackson Garner. And today we're doing our Hot Takes episode. We're going to give you guys our predictions for the upcoming Washington football season. Now, before we get into that, we want to give a shout out to uh, our, our good friend, uh, John Ross, you know, alumni of Washington football. And he's doing some uh, charity work right now. He's an inspiring guy, held a free youth camp in his hometown of Long Beach. And on top of that free youth camp, which, by the way, Luke, do you know how many people showed up for that? I would imagine it was in the hundreds. Uh, it, it looks like a lot. If you look at the picture, it looks like there are close to somewhere between like 50 to 100 kids that's it 50 to 100 with snoop dogg there with the do double g i don't know i mean i'm looking at the article right now i mean it could be it could be several more but those that at least stayed till the end eh, maybe 100 to 200 you know also i feel like if you live in long beach it's like this the appeal to snoop dogg it's like you probably see snoop dogg like quite a like he's he's pretty active in the community you know he shows up at a lot of football games yeah yeah it's just like again yeah snoop okay what's up snoop and and another part of that is it wasn't like you know we talked about the charity game they had a little bit later in the night and it was kyle kuzma there trey songs uh who doesn't have the same pull as he did even six months ago but yeah trey songs (laughs) is there uh deshaun jackson Jackson, yeah Yeah, no yeah no there's a very like very high profile charity league i think that drew a big crowd but think about it. You're getting you're getting training from from a current NFL player that just happens to be like the Zach Levine of football, basically. I mean, just you know, the athletic specimen. He's a current NFL player, and the camp is free. How could we compare that to? Okay, use that guy, Casey Williams. I know he got picked up by another team. If he ran a camp here that was free, you don't think 200 kids would show up for? A, nah, probably not. Never mind. That sounds about right. But Casey Williams is not John Ross. I'm trying to think of an NFL comparison. Buda Baker. That's what we're talking about right now. Buda Baker comes back to Washington to host a camp in his hometown of Bellevue. That's getting 200 people there. I guarantee it. I guarantee you the 200 bobbleheads would show up for that. Yeah. You know what? I and, and I feel like this is just kind of like the Washington way, the Bellevue way. But I gar- I And f- I just have a hunch about this. So I could be totally wrong, but I feel like more people would show up if Buda Baker charged like a hundred bucks opposed right, to right. like just saying it's a free camp. <laughs> Which is like unfortunate. I say that, and I feel that way. But like, I feel pretty strongly about that. Like, if, if, if a positive spin you could put on it is that people are more inclined to go something that they have to actually put money into. Yeah. But, well, yeah, I know, and I feel like it's just like the wash, like the Washingtonian feels like, oh, if it's free, like, what am I even like? What am I? I get what I pay for. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, the idea is supposed to be this just we're having kid yeah, trying yeah. to help my kid out right now mm-hmm. yeah well, yeah my kid's sure. gonna be better than him anyways in the end yeah. so why would i want to take him this place uh r- just real quick the thing i wanted to touch on from this article was there's a quote where john R- ross talking about putting on this camp said i didn't want to wait i wanted to get back as quickly as i could i think it's important to do that right away it's actually something i've thought about since i was a kid which i think is indicative of the fact that y- you know john ross i feel like like tacitly is saying that a lot of the reason that I feel like he was able to kind of go on and pursue his dream is that he had people like Snoop Dogg that like would coach him in football. Mm-hmm. You know? And Snoop Dogg isn't a football player, but like he's, he's an icon. Gave him the resources. And, like gave him the resources. Uh, the resources you know? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 So I think that it's pretty cool that like this area has like kind of this, like not only are there a ton of like iconic celebrity celeb or celebrities, but there are also people that are, like willing to give back and keep their like keep their areas bustling with new talent yeah for sure luke while you're talking right now let's hear your first hot take 
Yeah. All right. So the hot take episode. I want to start this off like I st- I want to start it off with a bang, but I don't want to get as just bangy Wait, as b- possible. But before before we do this, like it is is your first one a little like cooler than like or is are you just starting off just guns a blazing like um so or would I, you say this is a cooler a lukewarm take? I'd say it's it's not luke like I'd say I'm gonna do the first one that's re- like I'd say. It's hot until you undress it a little bit, but okay. I want to start off pretty emphatic. But I'm definitely saving my best for last. The okay. middle might be where, I as it should be, you 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 draw the people in with the hot yeah. take at the beginning. Nobody remembers what's in the middle, anyways. And yeah, then you, and then you, you hit end them in the end. Just a, a bang, yeah. a nail, yeah, okay, exactly. So the first one that I'm going to start off with is Jake Browning. This year will run a five to one touchdown to interception ratio. What? Touchdown. Five whoa, to one whoa, touchdown. Whoa, you mean he'll throw a five to one touchdown? Yes, throw five touchdowns. Okay, okay. okay all right. Yes, yes. All right. So, say, so, so we're going to undress this take. Are you guys ready for that? No, I'm no. Ready. I, I want to know. Yeah. So Jake last year only threw five interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, which obviously, I mean, he didn't throw the ball as much as he did as a sophomore, and a lot of people like would make the argument, and numbers will back it up, that he was less efficient than he was last year. But I'm just going to look at the last half of his year, the last seven games, which is a little more than half of the games he played. Mm-hmm. Um, over that uh, stretch, he threw two interceptions. And if you stretch out his interceptions per attempt ratio, right, and then you multiply it by 400, a number that he has never, he's never thrown 400 passes in a game, even when they yeah. played 14 games, that would still be less than five. It would probably round up to five, but it would be less yeah. than the whole number of five, right? Now, mm-hmm. what... So then my question, the question then, just assuming that he continues to go on his trend and he's thrown less interceptions every single year that he's played, it's gone from 10 to 9 to 5, which is a big step down. But if he can continue at that rate, the question is, can he throw 25 touchdowns in 12-plus games? Well, you tell us. That's on you. (laughs) And then I'm leaning on yes, and there are a couple reasons why. Number one, I think the return of Chico will really help the passing game. He's never been, like, Chico's probably not a six or seven touchdown receiver, but he adds another element to the game in the passing game that will help the offense continue to move the chains uh, and move the ball downfield and and keep those things up. And then the other thing that I want to touch on is Washington. Like this is, this is kind of the leap of faith in the take um, is that I feel part of the reason that Jake Browning was less effective throwing the ball than he had been in years in the past is the lack of continuity or consistency in the receiving core. You'd have Braden Lenius starting some games. You'd have Quentin Pounds starting some games. Chico McClatcher missed the second half of the season, even more than that. Um, Quentin Pounds missed the second half of the season. Um, I'm blanking. Dante Pettis, like, obviously he only missed one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you look, Drew Sample missed time. You know, Hunter Bryant missed time. Absolutely. So, like, e- each week it feels like you're losing another guy, getting another guy back, and there's just never this consistency. Mm-hmm. So, Jake, assuming that he's able to con- kind of continue this smart decision-making, taking care of the ball, but then has more continuity with his targets. He has guys like Ty Jones entering their second year. Aaron Fuller finished the year strong and hopefully can carry that momentum into the next year. That sort of thing. Getting back a big weapon like Chico McClatcher, I think it's underrated. The fact that he and Chico came in in the same class, there's some continuity there. I think that if he just has some consistency, that he'll be able to see his production go upwards. All right, that's a warm take. Not a bad way to I start it off. What's, what's, next, not, what's yeah. next? Well, I, 
I would say, I mean, that's a, that's a like anyone throwing a five to one like touchdown to interception, like yeah, that, you know, that's tough. That's tough. And like we're not saying you know four point nine two. Like it's got to be a five flat. So like that's that's a tough number to reach. So I'd I'd say it's it's beyond warm. Like yeah, it's a lot of things have to go right for you Dub, for that to happen. You know, like you you gotta like you're. I mean, you you touched on everything. And I'd say you you did you you dotted your you crossed your t's and dotted your eyes. You with had this a thing. lot of you nice covered. scenarios, and I, a lot I, of comfortable yes. things. I think that you going right. I think you covered it well. But as you said, like a lot of things have to go right. You can't have injuries. You know, you can't you can't have this and that. So I think it is. It's a. It certainly qualifies as a hot take. It's a best me. case scenario. Salt. It's a best case scenario. Yeah. Take. Yeah. Luke, what, a, what you got? Yeah. What's your next take? My next take. Uh, not probably not as hot as in it's not about as big name of a which player, is fine which but is it's fine interesting yeah. um my hot take is that outside linebacker converted to tight end justice warren will start over half the games for the huskies on offense on t- at tight end that's he's nominally a tight end okay but i think there are several reasons that he could kind of be in this position um so he was a kind of running back fullback tight end a little bit in high school while also playing on the defensive side. And they've recently converted him to a tight end, uh, at least nominally. He caught a p- touchdown pass last year against Cal, lining up as a fullback. Um, so, yeah, th- this is a position that I could see him kind of running with and kind of a niche that I think could get him a lot of playing time early. A couple stats that I want to drop here is the Huskies really love using multiple tight ends. In fact, in the final three games of the season – including the Fiesta Bowl, the Huskies started the game in three tight end sets. That would give him a reason to start. (laughs) Will Disley's gone. Hunter Bryant, there's the rumor, obviously nothing confirmed, there's the rumor that he could miss the entire season. Right? You guys have seen those rumors? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Right? So you're looking at Drew Sample and Jacob Kaiser, right? And then third in line, uh, you could see a guy like Justice Warren or maybe Kate Otten, you know? But the the thing that I think will give Justice Warren the edge here is that while he's nominally a tight end, I see them using kind of in, like using him in the backfield, like an H back, fullback kind of situation, right? Give him some starts. But yeah, and there were times last year where the Huskies would come out, not necessarily start with it, but they'd come out with both Miles Gaskin and either Levon Coleman or Savon Ahmed in the backfield, especially Levon, so that he could be used as a blocker both in the pass and in the run game. Uh, so I kind of see Justice Warren filling that niche where they might come out, especially in games where they want to kind of play physical and run the ball early and lining him up as kind of an H-back or fullback and uh, paving holes for Miles. See, I like that yeah. take. I really do, Luke. Because I mean, that's something that nobody's like... No, that's very creative. You know, you're thinking outside the box when it comes to playing Thank in a certain position. Yeah. Uh, like, anybody can say, oh, Jake Brown is going to throw 40 touchdowns, five interceptions, but this is something that, like... Not you have to think you have to really critically think about this. So I like that too. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, is it me Jackson, you're next or yeah, you're my, I'm next. Okay. Yeah. So before I even get started on my takes, I just want to let people know the structure of my takes. And I'll be honest, my first take, in my own humble opinion, it's pretty cool. It's going to be a lukewarm take. Okay. And we're going to go. We're getting hotter f- as we go. So just just so you know. And we're going to start off nice and easy. The Gardner Minshew will be the starting quarterback week one in Laramie. And, you know, I think we just haven't seen enough from everyone else. And obviously, 
you know, what we've seen with Minshew at the Manning Passing Academy, where people were raving about his ability. And I mean, this is a guy like he was next to Trace McSorley, Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts. So he's with he's competing against or I guess not against, but alongside the nation's best talent at quarterback. And uh, a quarterback coach, Tony Rassiopi, who was there, who, who has coached Min- or Minshew in the past, which should be noted because he spoke highly of him, uh, you know, said a lot of things about, you know, his intangibles. And, and I mean, obviously, when you s- just think of a WSU quarterback, you're just intangibles. Like, that's what, like, com- like, no WSU quarterback is the crazy freak athlete that can throw the ball, you know, 70 yards on the fly. Like, that's not who they are. That's not who Mike Leach wants. That's not who he's going to start. Like, he wants the guy who is sound between the ears. And, and I just think that's what you have in, in Minshew. And like I said, Rassiopi, who's, who's saying he, he, he studies his own tendencies. He, his attention to preparation was uh, beyond some of his, his uh, or I guess the players he was playing against playing with I should say um, so for my first take I just have Gardner Minshew week one in Laramie and I think I say week one in Laramie because I don't feel confident with that going for 13 games I feel like that would have been and and once you hear my second take the reason I have this at take one is because I only say week one in Laramie. So That's assuming, what, assuming you go one for one, which pro- you probably will, what would be the next step for that? When does he fuck up? Well, that's a great question. I mean, <laughs> Eastern, Eastern is, you know, that has, that has mess up written all over it. And with um, USC right after that, definitely. That's that. And that's, then USC right out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, hey, one and two, possibly oh and three like i don't know what's going to happen obviously the Cougs are hoping between those three games that they're going to walk away at least two and one but there's a large possibility that that doesn't happen so i mean if it doesn't go their way i could see leach getting cold feet and going for you know tinsley or gordon something like that yeah four so games, four it's games maybe what doesn't be- seem as like that even pretty, maybe this this maybe seems like a high. this may seem like a cold take at, at first glance, but it really is a, a warmer take than than it is at yeah. uh, from face value. Well, if yeah. you're well, saying I'll I, say anytime oh, yeah. you put your neck out there and decide who's going to win a, a quarterback battle, I'd say that's always a hot take. And to yeah. say yeah, and to, to say degree. He'll, he'll lose his job within freaking three weeks, which is like a couple hundred hours, basically. Yeah. That's another thing. That's that's like that is scorching right there, and I I can't I don't think that can be understated. Hey, yeah. I want I want to transition into high school football right now. Look, everybody talks about the four A level being dominated by these like West Side powerhouses. Well, my prediction is the four A state title will not come from the West Side for the third straight year. The last time four A won uh, a state championship from the a West Side team was 2015, and that trend's going to continue. Look, Kinko is in a rut right now. And I will say the same thing for Wesco, you know, the, the league up north and the SPSL, the league a little bit further down south. I will play devil's advocate. You could make an argument for Dylan Morris and Graham Kapowson to win state this year, but he lost his go-to receiver, his starting running back, and even when he had those players, you know, his, you know, his, his best offensive line, his most consistent running back, 
he was still proven to be beatable by, by many, some people would say, slightly above average teams. Let me give you an example. So in the playoffs, they lost to a defense with no Pac-12 recruits, just one big sky player, and that was Woodenville. And they only scored 17 points in that game. My point being, even if you're a Division I quarterback, you still need good talent around you. You, need, you still need a stacked team. That's more important in high school football than just having that mm-hmm. name on the back of your jersey. Let me give you another team that has good offensive firepower, and that's Mount Sy. I mean, you know, you got you know, Cale Millen, a quarterback, you know, a lot of great returning wide receivers. But a Kinko offense, you know, a West Side offense can be neutralized by a stout defense. For example, last year, Skyline was a fucking train all year long. I mean, Joe Green and the boys were just running over teams. And then in the first round of the playoffs, they put up 40 points against a very solid Bothell team in the first round. Again, another quarterback, another team led by a Division I quarterback that got eliminated in the first round. But they put up 40 points, again, against a pretty damn good Bothell team. But then what happens in the second round? They go to Spokane, and they get shut out by Central Valley. Zero points for Skyline. I mean, that is freaking mind-boggling that a powerhouse offense like that that was averaging over 30 points a game got put up zero the second they left their little 12-mile radius. I really like Vancouver this year. I really like what Union's got going on right now um, with Darian Chase as a receiver and defensive back. Lincoln Victor, a Division One receiver that is playing quarterback because he basically wants to. Um, the Tri-Cities has a couple of really good teams. Richland is going to be a state contender again for sure. And, uh, and so will um, Kamayakin. I'm very bullish on Spokane. I don't think they have the talent they did last year, you know, with Gonzaga Prep and Central Valley. And I'm not saying the top to bottom, the west side isn't better. I do believe that the west side is better top to bottom. But the problem is I think there's too many of these powerhouses, these teams that are out of the stratosphere, compared to the Seattle area teams where I think there's more parity. So my prediction is that, once again, the state title, state, state championship will come from one of these cow towns in the Tri-Cities or Spokane. Okay. Well, I'll tell you two things that I don't like about this take. Well, not that I don't like about the take, per se, but one thing is that I don't like how Luke got to go two takes deep, and I only got to go one. You gave two takes. You gave your, no. uh, you gave your uh, week one starter, and then I thought your second week take one, was... Oh, get that was okay, that was 1A and 1B, I guess, but uh, okay, I'll give you that. We'll but go back. We, we'll go back to you, okay. We'll go okay. Back to you. Okay. Well, but That's we got at least at least let's get through this one. Okay. Let's get right. through this one. Second of all, do you have a team? Or, so you're just simply saying that there will be a team from the east side, not from the west side. So okay. So you don't have a particular team on the east side that will win it. You're well, just saying Jackson, one of the it's teams. It's not just the east side. It could be a Vancouver team. We're not. We're oh, not. We're not wait. So we're not. We're not. We're not including Vancouver on the west side. We're not. No. Okay, I think that's fair. I think that's totally reasonable. So I mean, people because four A is like you know where the big boys play, right? All the West Side teams. Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my prediction is for once again, a West Side team will not win a state championship. So so that so you're basically saying not a Seattle team or a Kinko team or SPSL or Westco like that kind of that Western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything north of like Olympia. Basically, everything north of Olympia west and side. west of the mountains. Yeah. Okay. Guys, we know okay. what the West Side is. So like, the, yes, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm I'm aware, but like West, you know, you could. You, hey, people I, cut that I think up that's a pretty freaking good take right there. I think it's very yeah. reasonable. No, I think that's. I think it's a. I think. I think it's a good number one take. Okay. All right. So now, let's go back okay. To you, right? Let's go. Let's go back to me. This one. I mean, this was a close 
between which one was going to be one or two. And I think just, well, let me just get into the take. My, for number two, I have Andre Diller will be a Pac-12 first-teamer by season's end. And this, mm. for, for some people, now, a lot of people, if you look at rankings and where Andre Dillard's going to get drafted and, uh, you know, basically returning Pac-12 players, Andre Dillard has looked really highly. Um, but for whatever reason, when it comes to the coaches voting, he does not do as well. It, last year he was just an honorable mention the year before that he wasn't even acknowledged and which is just surprise I mean, it's surprising to me because coaches if if there's one thing offensive line coaches they love athletic tackles like totally they don't like like no the modern offensive line coach does not like the big mauler the the 330 pound <laughs> offensive yeah. lineman they just don't like that guy anymore they want they want a six, you know, six five or taller, three hundred to three hundred ten pounds. Someone who's quick, and that's exactly what Andre Dillard is. Like, I don't know why coaches don't like him more, because, and that's who does the the Pac twelve first and second so, team so or the all conference team. Your take is he's going to be a first team all conference. Player. I think he's going to be a first team all conference player. But the reason it's going ahead of Minshew starting at quarterback week one. Is just because of how the coaching staffs in the Pac-12 have looked on him in seasons past. You know, I think I, I've I watched Andre all spring, and his performances day in and day out were nothing short of dominating. Now, granted, mm-hmm. you can say, well, WC's pass rush is is not as good, therefore he should be dominating. I'd say true. That's one hundred percent true. But like, this was a different kind of dominance. This was like. I don't think he gave up a sack all spring. Like it was, it was on another level. And and knowing Andre, because I I played against him in high school, and I know the kind of guy he is. I can only imagine how hard he's working for for his redshirt senior season, how much work he's putting in right now as we speak. And I, it's going to be a big year for him. I know this is not a oh well, data suggests this and upward trends. This is. A me saying, I know who this guy is, and it's going to be a big year for him. Yeah. And and that's that's all I have to say, really, but I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think the heat of the take comes in the fact that just the, the name recognition has to, I feel like, I feel like he has some, like, there are some other names that I feel like, like, you know, oh, not necessarily sure. that, that garner more attention, but for sure are going to be demanding some of the spotlight. Yeah, Absolutely. You look at like obviously Trey and Caleb at University mm-hmm. of Washington, Trey Adams and Caleb McGarry, who have, who have already both been first teamers, yeah, already. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then you look, and then you go to Stanford, and then I don't really know what their offensive line situation is. But you know, is, it's going to be great. Like Walker Little and yeah, Foster yeah. Sorrell, like when, when, when Foster Sorrell is, is yeah, but yeah, right. But when mm-hmm. Foster Sorrell is a backup, you know, you have some good guys. Like he's a, exactly. he's a pretty yeah. safe backup. You know, right so now. Yeah. there Absolutely. are lots of names, but I I think there's no like I would definitely not dispute. The fact that Andre Dillard is like has the the athleticism and the skill set to have that caliber of a year. So I yeah, yeah I think the harder part will be just competing with other names. But so I I like the take. Yeah no uh, Jackson, if all three of your takes come true, uh, you're onto something right there. All right, so I want to talk about Eastern Washington football. Hasn't got a mention yet. Eastern Washington will beat Central Washington in Week One 
by at least 40 points. Ooh. The people that say <laughs> CW, the people that say that CW can beat Eastern Washington week one, one, they probably won't back it up with anything, but here's what they would say if they tried to back it up. Oh, well, CW was ranked top five in the country last year. CW has a bigger heart. No, but by the way, they don't. Eastern has a much bigger heart. I'll just say that right now. I, Eastern, they, they, I mean, they are the definition of hearts. Or uh, Raleigh Hennessy will play angry. Like, I don't know what that means, but I, I guess Raleigh Hennessy will be angry. He won't. You should angry. go ask him. No, no, right, no. <laughs> but the thing is, he won't be angry. I know that because yeah. the, the way the guy carries himself, he's, just, he's more worried about his back health right now. I mean, well, yeah. he sat all spring ball. I hope I hope he makes it to week one. Like that's a and that's a yeah. And I think well to that point. Like, do you want your quarterback playing angry? That's not a position where you want your your guy to be playing and angry. I'm, like I'm, maybe I'm offensive speaking, line, maybe defensive line. You don't want your quarterback playing. I'm angry. speaking on behalf of the people that would say C will be Eastern week will be Eastern week one. The people that say mm-hmm. they, oh they have a chance, which I get it. I mean, you see this all the time. Uh, people think that well, do they, don't they have a chance? Like, no, they don't. So. Um, what I'm most worried about, though, like obviously outside of all the stereotypes of you know Central being a Division II school and Eastern having a bigger heart, I'm worried about the D-line at Central right now. I mean, if you look at the roster right now, Central only has one D-lineman over 260 pounds. That's not a freshman. They have a couple of, they have a couple of freshmen coming up that are like 280, 290. One of them is over 300. But I'm talking about players that are going to contribute – their biggest D lineman right now is 5'10", 260. That's a starter. And it works at D2 level. I mean, we have an All-American. Central has an All-American defensive end that's 5'11", 200 pounds. He's Billy Greer. He's one of the top sack leaders in the country. But that yep. D line is way, way, way too small to compete. Even, even the linebackers go about 215, 220. It's, it's a, it's, I'm very mm-hmm. concerned about the defense. And if you look at Eastern's offense, it is so veteran heavy right now that they're going to they're gonna know what Central is doing before they even realize it. I mean, you got two senior running backs, you know, Sam McPherson, Antoine Custer. They were, they're returning all league running backs. A senior quarterback in Gage Gubrud, who's very determined to tear it up this year. And then, like last year, there were some worries about who's going to play receiver following the loss of Kendrick Bourne, Shaq Hill. Uh, who, who's the other guy that was really good on the team? Uh, Shaq, uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, when I lost those three guys, yeah. there was a lot of concern about who was going to play receiver next year. Well, they have Zach Eagle coming back, and they have a very they had, that, that year last year was kind of a rebuilding year for that wide receiver core. And then, like in the second Eastern secondary, I mean, is 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 Central going to have a passing attack? They graduated all three starting receivers. Um, Eastern Washington has two all league defensive backs, one at safety and one at corner. Central does not have a workhorse running back. You know, none of them are. They, they they do by committee. You know, they graduated a couple of their running backs, all their starting receivers, except for a uh, JoJo Hillel, who's a good athlete, but I won't call him a go-to receiver. And the secondary of Central Washington isn't exactly elite athletically either. I'm. This is what I'm talking about. Like, if you just look at all the, like the matchups, and am I going to go? Yeah, I'll still go, but. It's guys. It's going to be forty plus points. Forty. Yeah. You think really? So, so I think by it, saying yeah. Eastern's going to win, not a hot take. Forty points win. That's a hot take. And I think this kind of gets mm-hmm. into the debate of what's the difference between Division Two and Division One AA. Meeting it's greater than than FBS to FCS. Yes. No. Oh, yes. I think. I don't. Is. I don't believe so. I don't. I. I think it is. I think it's actually probably smaller. I really do. I really do. And, and and it's partly well, 
I understand that the, like, the scholarship special, money. Eastern's a special FCS school. They're no. They're no. Yeah, no. but also Central Washington is a special Division two. No, school. they're not. Yes, they are. Well, They've they been had one good season in like the last ten years. And you're going to call that? Was that was that last year? Was that one special season? Yeah, I thought it was. They, I thought they've had a pretty good season. I'll tell you I right mean, now, it was a special season. I mean, they're they're a five hundred team. They are a, a, a very average. Okay, mm, well, traditionally their program has been good. Not bad. Yeah. Oh, I mean. Who was before? God, who was the Eastern coach that just got hired to uh, Baldwin? To yeah, Baldwin. He came from yeah, he came from Central. Yeah, John Kidna. John. Yeah, I mean, guys, like, <laughs> come on. You guys are like name know, dropping I'm, now. No, okay, we can't go back thirty years. No, but that Baldwin was not there thirty years ago. That was he was there about twelve. Yeah, to, I mean, that was that was that was, was like even that long. That was two thousand seven. Okay, two thousand eight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what I'm saying here is like we've taught we've talked. Not at nauseum, but we have talked about the new the recruiting class that Central Washington has coming in, and I think you make a very good point that Eastern has a, a more a veteran heavy team, and uh, in the right places, a, a, yeah. But I also think to your point about you know a defensive line being too small, that is not always like I don't think that they're like Central could go out and grab some three hundred pounders. They're looking for like I think that's more of a schematics thing than it is. Uh, oh, we can't find a three hundred pound guy to play defensive tackle. You know, like they want guys who are athletic. They they don't just have a five eleven two hundred pound defensive end because he's small because he's a good pass rusher. And obviously, he what he was, I mean, he was one of the Division two's best pass rushers. That's like, those smaller guys give tackles. And, and bigger guys' issues. Like, I don't think that it's going to be necessarily because they're just going to get outsized at the defensive line. But also, to, to counter that point, I mean, look at WSU. That's, that's also a school that uses smaller defensive linemen, and they have succeeded against teams like Stanford. However, they've also gotten completely destroyed by teams like UW. So, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm just going to say... Be careful because it not don't always just assume that having a smaller defensive line equates to just getting dominated in the trenches. I don't know how it's gonna happen, Jackson, but it's that's okay. That's okay. You know that's why it's a bold yeah. take. Um, hey, hey Luca, what, what do we got from you right now? Yeah. All right. So we'll jump to the next one. This one again is going to be one that isn't as big. I'm go, I'm going to go smaller than bigger. Okay. And I think these are. Similar in heat, maybe. One of them's actually the, the smaller one's even colder. So this is why it's going exactly third. This is dead in the middle. People will forget. It's the coldest, is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so Brandon McKinney, the rising sophomore safety at the University of Washington, will become mm-hmm. the special teams freak that Ezekiel Turner was. Right? Ezekiel okay. Ezekiel Turner was an absolute monster for the Huskies. He made nine special teams tackles and was recognized as the special teams player of the year following the season. Right. The, yeah, the, yeah. the numbers I have for this are that four of the five special teams leading tacklers last year graduated. And the one remaining is Brandon McKinney. Right. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Okay. He Interesting. Made, like he made five special teams tackles last year. He played almost every game in some oh, okay. special he made five, teams role, so, okay. mostly on kickoff. Right. Uh, so Brandon McKinney is going to be that guy flying down the field uh, and trying to rip heads off is my take. And then the other reason i have for it is when you have a kid like brandon mckinney who's good enough to play as a true freshman at the university of washington right but 
will going or but going into his sophomore year will still be behind guys like Jojo McIntosh and Taylor Rapp. Absolutely, going to play a ton. You have to find a way to get him on the field somehow. You know, so there it is. That's that's the explanation of the take. He'll be a special teams god, is what you're saying, basically. Yeah, he's going to be that guy that like you're you're watching number eleven fly down the field and hurt people. Yeah, (laughs) you know. I, okay, before I'm sorry to cut you off, my guy. I love this take as well at number three because my third take is also a special teams take. <laughs> Not gonna, <laughs> so it makes me feel good about my take as well. But I, I like the the statistical analysis that you brought in with this take. Yeah, well, honestly, I was just looking like this was the last take I came up with, you know. So. Uh, yeah, that's why I, I went searching for this one. And then the numbers, they made sense enough. Uh, now, the other take I'm going to make, this one will hopefully be a little more fun, maybe a little more controversial. Benning Potoa'i will be Washington's first 10-sack player since Aoliki <laughs> Kaha and Andrew Hudson in 2014. I like that take. I like yes. that take a lot, actually. They need it. I, I love it, but the issue is this is by far and away my least empirical take. <laughs> yeah no i mean that's that's another tough like that's a tough one to have like mm-hmm. s- statistics to back that one like, up. oh this is how yeah. fast he ran off the edge like yeah you just, you exactly kinda, no. you kind of no. know when so, somebody's about to break out yeah the, the, the one stat that i kind of grabbed um to just try to kind of make this make a little bit of sense is benning last year was 38th in the country in qb hurries right but finished outside mm-hmm. the top 60 in sacks you know, so he's a guy who's yeah. getting there, but he's not necessarily not making quite the finishing. play. Yeah. You know, the, so the thing that's interesting about that is he was 38th in the country in hurries for outside linebackers. That is right. Um, mm-hmm. But he's he's moving to defensive end this year. Yeah. Primarily. Well, so no, he, he'll he'll still be playing both. the 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 thing about it is he'll always have a playing time sort of sharing, not necessarily issue because it's a good thing because they're two good players. But he will be struggling for snaps with Ryan Bowman, right? And you know, I don't think that's even a bad thing if if Benning Pota Ae Pota Ae correct? I think, I think. So with an E, you say all the vowels. <laughs> so I think it's 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 either yeah, it's Potuai or something Potuai. like that. Potuai. Potuai. Okay, we'll go with that. I think maybe less could be more for him. Putting him in mm-hmm. advantageous passing situation yeah. or pass rushing situations mm-hmm. could be the key to getting him to For ten sure. sacks, I where he doesn't have to necessarily think about the run game as exactly. much, and he can just let the motor loose. So, and, so I, th- I think. Wait, sorry, what, what was that? You, you, well, I was going to say, Benning is actually one of the guys that I've played against, and, and I just like this is the one thing that I can remember playing against him is like, wow. This guy is so freakishly at like this guy is yeah. so ridiculously oh, athletic. If he like had the intangible like I don't I'm I'm struggling to like if he had like the 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 moves and like the technique yeah. to mm-hmm. accompany that athleticism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the fundamentals. The it would be it would be game over. It would be right. done. Yeah, like I no one would stand a chance and like. It, it was only a matter of time before it clicks with him because he, he's Definitely. still that freak athlete. He looks yeah. just like, I mean, he probably looks like a bigger version of Haloe Kikaha. Yeah, um, he is big, it's crazy because you think yeah. Howell is this monster. And I think this is, what you're saying is a perfect transition, I think, to a little more, uh, it's less empirical, but more to kind of defend the take. 
there's one thing about Benning that stands out to me. He first of all, he had a monster spring, right? Which mm-hmm. doesn't really mean anything. Plenty of players have had monster springs and gone on to For not sure. necessarily have explosive seasons. <laughs> but but the thing that I'll say is what one of the bigger storylines in camp is that Benning towards the end of last year made a bet with Will Disley where they both cut fast food out of their diet, right? Oh, right. Really? Absolutely. And, yeah, okay. So that. now Benning, like, that matters. things like that are kind of goofy, but, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. and there are things like you cannot work a bad diet. But then you see him, and he cuts three pounds from last year, from 278 to 275, so he's still mm-hmm. a monster. But you consider, like, he cuts three pounds during an offseason where all they do is lift, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- yep. this guy is becoming... Like from a physical freak into like a like a even more sculpted just physical. yeah right. and and, yeah. A, and a, another year at that weight your body adjusts almost where it's more For comfortable sure. at two like mm-hmm. when you're when you're yeah. in that twenty twenty two range mm-hmm. uh, you you know you can you can you can handle the weight but you just learn how to mobilize it better and utilize it exactly better as you mm-hmm. uh, as you keep getting older yeah definitely so mm-hmm. yeah he's he's maximizing his body he's getting used to carrying around his new physique and then the other thing that Jackson mentioned. Um, is it's not necessarily how much he plays, but like the situations in which he plays. I wouldn't be surprised, especially with a guy like Tevis Bartlett moving from the other outside linebacker position, Sam to Will this year. Mm-hmm. If like in pass rushing situations, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff like this out there. If they throw Benning and Ryan on both sides, yeah. You know? So they have two great. Somebody's going to win their or, matchup. Yeah. As mm-hmm. Jackson mentioned, Benning a couple times this spring. You know, they they let him put his hand on the ground, and uh, he would be like a, a three tech or a five tech and they'd also have Ryan line up behind him in a, like in a two point yeah. as the outside linebacker, you know, yeah. so there's so many different ways you can throw him on the line and then Absolutely. just like have, like he's long and fast. Yeah. There's so many different ways that you can use him entering his now fourth year in the program, healthier, bigger, yeah. faster, stronger as they all like, as people like to say, there, there's no reason that a guy of this athletic capability sh- like, shouldn't explode you know yeah. and become the howly kikaha like player that that people see when he Absolutely. puts on number eight well and now that you just say that like benning put uh Pota'i in the three technique just sounds like a match made in he- for for pass rushing situations yeah. oh obviously God. like i mean that's just like when i look at hercules and look at him and it's like wow that could really be a fit because a lot of people don't realize it's like going on against interior linemen is where they're going to be they're trying to be more physical with you in the, in the interior but as a three tech you're guaranteed a one-on-one and yeah. i know for a fact that benning potai is faster than every single <laughs> interior lineman in the pac 12 and probably the country. the country so i mean that that really clicks with me except and maybe I th- like I think a 240 guard that plays for army or something yeah yeah okay <laughs> maybe maybe not there but like i i think i think you got a good take there and you're onto something Sweet. All right. Those are my. Th- those are takes three and four. Okay. And now we're on to you, Jackson. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I believe so. So, in line with number three being a, a special teams uh, hot take, I have Travell Harris will be the return man for the Cougs, and he will have either a punt or kickoff return for a TD. And in this in the season. This season, yes, correct. This season. You're saying one of um, each or just one total. <laughs> he will have either a punt okay. or a kick return for a TD. I guess it's um, better than none. It's better, yeah. No, it's better than none. And, and well, I say this because I, I watched him all throughout spring, and and he traded reps with with a number of different guys. But I know Mike Leach loves to have someone who's who's 
kind of more towards the bottom of the depth chart have the return role, not someone who's going to be an intricate part of the offense. Yeah, they're not that, was, uh, that was Calvin out there and Jameer Calvin exactly that. Yeah. That was that was Caleb Folsom. Uh, I mean, Jamal Morrow was the the punt returner last year, but you know that. My point being is, is usually the return guy is going to be someone who's not playing as much of a featured role. And, and you just said Jameer Calvin. And that's kind of one of my points. Travell Harris and Jameer Calvin literally look identical. And Jameer Calvin is a better receiver. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And he's going to... He's a little, lengthy, he's a little, he's a little yeah. longer wingspan. Yes. Yes, that's that's true. And they're both... I think once... I think uh, Harris is 5'10", Calvin is 5'9". But, uh, so they're both pretty similar in build. But and they both have that just like video game like elusiveness. They're right. both that quick. It's just Jameer Calvin's just a more tuned receiver. He's a skinny dude. He has more elusiveness. Yeah. I think. And yeah. I think I mean there's been emergences of a couple guys like Aesop Winston who is gonna is gonna take time in the interior spots. And I think just in terms of outside receivers, it's gonna be Tay Martin and Desmond Patton. So I don't see Travell Harris necessarily taking uh, huge steps in the offense. And that's why I think special teams is really going to be his niche yeah. and, and he's going to he's going to take some to the house i just feel it cuz yeah. you, you watch guys like jameer <laughs> calvin you watch yeah exactly you watch guys like jameer calvin run with the ball and, and people he just slides off people like butter you know they you can't bring him down and i i you know obviously special teams a lot of things have to go right so if if that works out in my favor, it's like oh I look like such a G. Like a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. But that that is that's my that's my number three. Yeah, just to to affirm this a little bit, what like in just making, I'm gonna make a case to kind of agree without really even knowing who Travell Harris is. But mm-hmm. I will say a couple things about the way that Washington approaches their return situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to my take on your take is that it will come in the punt return department right mm-hmm. Washington loves to have a receiver back there because according to coach Pete and I'm sure coach Leach agrees and all coaches at this level will agree the number one job as a punt returner is to catch the ball freaking catch yep, the ball. for sure yeah and Absolutely. you have a receiver back there and that's his, that's what his other job is is to catch footballs right mm-hmm. um, second you have a guy <laughs> that uh, like just looking at his bio 801 all-purpose yards as a junior uh, and he's doing those, you know, like r- running the ball, he, doing mm-hmm. it on kickoffs. He's doing it receiving. So he's a guy who knows how to run with the ball in his hands. Absolutely. You know, he's an interior receiver in the system. So he, he's expected to do something when the ball's in his hands and not just chip away with little hitches and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And then lastly, he set a school record in the 100. So you give him, like, he makes a move and he gets space, you're not catching him. Yeah. So, boom, no, exactly. Take. Yeah. What else you got? All right, okay, Jackson? okay, yeah, I got my. Uh, sorry, I got, got my fourth take. So this, my takes four and five are entering the the boiling range, and um, I love that. So so I I hope you guys like this. And y- before I read this, really take it in and think of the situation to realize that this is a boiling take, and that is James Williams will collect twelve hundred and fifty all purpose yards in twenty eighteen. <sighs> <laughs> now, now I know like scrimmage or all purpose, all purpose, all purpose. So that is, I mean, I don't think he's going to make too big of a splash on special in, teams, in yeah. special teams. He might, he might collect 
100 yards at most. You're going to hate but, my take, dude, after this. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Okay, so, and, and the way I see this happening is he's going to have to have the workload in the run game that he had in 2016 when it was the, you know, the three-headed monster rushing yeah. attack at WSU, but he's also going to need the passing game uh, workload in 2017 where he led WSU in touches in the passing game. And even then, if you add up both those numbers, he's just at about a thousand yards. So he got what was it? It was about in twenty sixteen. Yeah, in twenty sixteen, he had about like five hundred. It was a high five hundreds for rushing yards. And then in twenty seventeen, he was also in the high five hundreds. So he'll need a little bit from more from both, but. What makes this kind of a, a take that, you know, it's not s- solely dependent on James Williams is WSU has to actually be in ball games. They have to be competing and, and even be yeah. ahead in ball games. Because if, if the Cougs are losing, he's just not getting those touches on the ground. And it's just not going to happen, you know? Yeah. But if they're in the game, they, you know, this is completely a feasible take here that he can get and can yeah. reach that number. So my counter to the to the to the hesitation that you have is early. He, might, I could see him getting a pretty big workload early, regardless of who mm-hmm. the quarterback is, because you need to ease a guy in, especially in a, like yeah. a non-conference situation. But I see what like it could get to conference play and things could get bad, and you could see what happened against Washington, where what I mean, how many total carries were there in that game? Oh. Like six. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, Negative it was rushing yardage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to kind of even more counter that, I think Max Borgie will be the featured running back by week five. Now, notice I didn't say starting, but Borgie will get the snaps. I like Eastern with the upset week three. It's going to be very uncomfortable. Week two. Week two. It's going to be very uncomfortable. Oh, no, excuse me. No, no, they no, play week, week three. Week, week three, three, week yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. San Jose State is week two. <laughs> so it's going to be very uncomfortable for WC those first few weeks. And they're not going to get out of the gates hot. They're, I mean, it, it is it is it has all the makings of being a very slow start to the season. Eastern Washington is going into this year number one in the Big Sky, top ten in the nation. I like Eastern with the upset week three. You follow that off, um, you know, with another loss to USC. I mean, they're going to have to start shaking off the cobwebs, uh, cobwebs, you know, and, and those losses, those back to back losses, kind of like what you're saying with Gardner Minshew. Uh, that's going to be kind of the pinnacle. Yeah. And I, I and, Ma- and well, Max Borg, I mean, he's going to get some fireworks. And well, know. he's going to get catches. But if he were to end up in the featured spot, it would be a massive waste of talent. Max Borg. I mean, J- James. No, James Williams is that good. And, and I mean, I'm not. I, this is nothing against Max Borgie. He has plenty of time to to develop and to f- kind of fill his body, but. He isn't a featured, and again, when we say featured running back at WSU, that might only be 10 carries on the ground. Yeah, I never said he was going to be the starting running back. Yeah. Ten, I mean, he, Borgie comes But by, to, when you say featured, you would say leading, leading the running back still in lead carries. Touches, still touches. Okay. Still touches. Still, he's, he's going to lead the team in touches by takes? week five. Uh, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Borgie's going to be the featured lead, running oh. back wow. by week okay. five. He didn't come to Pullman in December just to not get a chance. He's going to play well if given that chance, which he will. I love, And what I love about Borgie is I love his high floor. 
I mean, you see his high school stats. I mean, yeah, four-year starter. He runs downhill. He doesn't. He, he has good ball security. You know, he's not going to be a guy that puts the ball on the turf, which is what you, which is what you worry about with freshmen. So I love the high floor. You know, you're, you're not going to get a guy that's going to fall off the face of the earth. And when WSU inevitably starts, you know, two and four, or you know, loses two of the first three games. You're going to hear fans crying to see his number called more often. And by the uh, end of this season, we'll be saying, look, this season, it wasn't much, but Borgie proved that he can be a piece for the future. That's one of the so more so on. You were, you were so You were so on there for like a, a good portion of that take, and then it just fell right off. When you hear it, the like, fans okay. are going to be clamoring when you say, no. for, for, for when you say, number to be called more often. When you say they will inevitably be two and four, I think that is that's not inevitable. That's that's you know, that's, it's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible. It is. It I'm is saying a, it's a lower. It's not, it's not inevitable. Case scenario. It's definitely a lower uh, lower expectation scenario. I but that's not what that's, we're arguing here. That's what, uh, what I'm saying right now. Yes. Is that they're going to want to change something. I don't think it's going to be the quarterback. I think it's going to be giving more carries I don't to the think, other running back. Still I don't, start even, put even if even if WCU finds himself in a two and four situation, it's not going to be because of James Williams not producing. There, people are going to be wanting to give him the ball. He's just more prepared to handle the ball than Borgie is. Simple as that. You just look at you look at James Williams. You look at Max Borgie, and you say, who who has a better chance uh, of succeeding with the ball in his hands? And you. You point your finger to James Williams every single time. And if there's one thing that we can agree on, it's one of those guys are not going to do as well. One of them, they can't both do well. It's just, that's that's they could. Well, not necessarily. Right. They, they I could. Mean, they could. They could do, both do well, but I don't think it's very likely. So that's why it's a hot take. I have Max Borgie as the feature okay. running back spy around that week five period, and uh, and I, on the UW side, Ty Jones will emerge as a go-to option out receiver. I think that this this is getting ridiculous. I mean, you, here's a guy that's six four. 220 pounds, one of the most freakish, freakish athletes on the roster. He's not a freshman. I mean, there's no mental capacity on him anymore. Time to see what he can do with the high volume, with high expectations. I mean, when you're when you're stacking the box trying to stop Miles Gaskin and Ahmed, you know, back in the backfield, that's gonna leave Ty Jones, who's gonna be a full-time starter this year. And consistent, you know, one-on-one coverage. You know, you can't you can't like move safeties over as much because you, you're gonna have so much focus in the backfield. I think that UW's going to try and put this like 5-9 receiver experiment on temporary hold. You know, they're not going to try and throw out three starting receivers that are all 5-10 or shorter. Ty Jones' best years will be ahead of him, you know, when he can team up with Eason and really kind of get that kind of aired out, you know, vibe with the offense. But what they do with Ty Jones this year will be a forecast. It'll be a taste of what we can expect in his final two seasons. And I'm, I am a little bit upset that they wasted his freshman year. They didn't utilize him to his full ability. Um, that was very situational. The offense wasn't as, uh, as, as, co- as cohesive and as well run as they wanted it to be. But mm. Ty Jones, eventually, he's going to he's gonna have to showcase his ability and, uh, and, and make See, plays out there. I, I, okay. I, don't think they, I don't think they wasted a freshman year on him. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, I, like, I, I believe that your take is within the realm of possibilities. You're not going to like my next take. But, uh, well, foreshadowing. But, uh, yeah, I know we're doing a lot of foreshadowing. I think Ty Jones is like obviously a special talent. And if you just kind of watch the way that he played towards the end of last year, you saw a guy who just got more confident, you know? And I think that's the biggest thing for him. There's no doubting the talent. He was a guy who was recruited nationally, 
Ohio State was knocking on his door towards the end. You know, like th- this is totally, a guy who's totally. really, really good. Um, and he, his usage increased. He played in over half of the snaps against Penn State. They started to use him. Uh, like I think there are big things ahead of like for him. So yes, I think that that is a good take. That would be a really fun yeah. take. I think it would be nice. I think like that would be cool. That, yeah. Like I think a lot of fans would like to see that come true. So and, yeah. Well, and just my my take here is kind of when you said like you know it didn't happen from his freshman year. Obviously, we know that Coach Pete is no dummy. Like if he sees someone that is is worthy of being on the field and, and he's going to do whatever it takes to win is is what I'm trying to get at here and if he thinks that giving Miles Gaskin the ball instead of throwing it to Ty Jones is is a, giving him a better chance to win the game he's going to do it mm-hmm. so to say that he wasted a freshman year you know that's I would say that's yeah, a that's, little that's out of a, that's a personal gripe yeah that's a, yeah. that's a, I I guess you you see the potential and you, you yeah, wish, and I'm just wish. saying, it's more of like, I wish he'd, he you know, had more of you a can't, chance. Not everyone, not everyone gets to be a star. You know, everyone is out of high school is a star, and everyone's recruited very highly. That's where that's where UW is, is at in there. Everyone coming in is going to be four, four or five. Star, you know, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people are going to be in that range, and and not everyone gets to be the star their freshman year. So, you know, like I said. Or like like Luke said, definitely in the realm of possibility. But I think you know, it was it's not like it was just by chance that he was not as productive in his freshman year as maybe he would like mm-hmm. to be, or people in his corner thought he would. It's that's not by chance. That's because there were better options available. But I think maybe this year, entering this year, he might be a better option than what they had last year. I and, don't know. And yeah, for sure. And, and like as we go into like, you know, our last prediction right now, I want I'm going to start this round uh because Ooh, okay. you guys are, yeah. you know, the UWWSU kind of the big guns. Okay. So I'll get this CWU right. crap out of the way. I wouldn't kinda, call us big guns, but yeah. Well, I'll it's, take it's, it. It's, you know? I think it's more <laughs> I think it's more appropriate. I don't want to end the the, the take show on some silly CWU okay. prediction. So okay. um, I'll Fair start enough. I'll start this off and then you guys got some boilers I know for the last two. So uh so let's let's talk about Central Washington football right now. And some of my points will seem kind of counterproductive because I said earlier on that Central have, will have no business being in the same arena uh, with Eastern Week One. But this is I think that this is the year that Central begins the turnaround into a legitimate fourth option in the state. It wasn't last year. I don't care what their record was. That 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 was that year was a pushover. It'll, it won't be remembered in the long run. What I want to start with is the new stadium. It is being criminally understated, underrated, whatever terminology you want, underappreciated. I mean, this this will, it's not going to be the, the, the quality of play. It's going to be the new stadium that kind of starts the turnaround. And, you know, what a lot of people aren't talking about is this stadium is upgrade ready. It, it's They're building it with a very wide base. You know, they're not putting seats where mm-hmm. there could be seats. They're not building high where they could be stacking bleachers. So the, the amount of room that they're taking up, if you look at the square footage and, you know, the parking areas and, and kind of what they're building around, it, it, is, very, it, is, very, it is very much uh, capable of being built even greater than Further what it's going pro- to okay. be this season. So Interesting. the wide base is definitely something that kind of raised my eye. Well, mm-hmm. I raised my eyebrow mm-hmm. at that. And then if you want to look at the talent coming through, guys, okay, K- 
Cannon Racanelli, the new quarterback coming up in the system, you know, Hawkinson, he was the first team All-State this year. The, the, the All-State quarterback, you know, the, the first team All-State quarterback is from this school called Hawkinson. It's a 1A school. And I got the chance to see him in person at the, at the Vancouver All-Star game. He's got it all. He's dual threat. He can throw the ball 60 yards on the fly. He's got a slingshot. He's 6'3". CW is going to be winners for the next five or six years. You know, if you include this one, five years at least. If they stay in this current format, they keep recruiting like they do, I see no reason why they shouldn't. CW is going to be a winner. They're not going to lose for the next four years. And that will turn into conversations. Can this school be a big sky school? So that's why I'm saying the turnaround starts this year. And hmm. this will be the year that separates. So this is where they, they, yeah, they separate themselves. It's not a one and done, but these guys are now knocking on the doors of FCS, a big sky, a big sky, yeah, of, of the big sky dreams. Um, CW, like yeah, CW versus Eastern Washington University will be a level playing field, and in the, in, in the 2018 season is going to mark that transition. And the biggest hmm. reason is going to be the stadium. Hmm. All right. All right. I think that I know. I, I I like that. Let's let's touch on. Let's let's let, yeah, let's not just let's, glaze. Yeah, over. let's not the glaze over because this is a big deal. I think we kind of we 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 go we gloss over Central Washington football a little too little too much and maybe Eastern too. But uh, I I think you're right. I think you might be a little quick saying in the four to five year range. I didn't say I the think four that four to five might, year range. I said they're going to be winners for the next four to five years, which will then turn into conversations. Can this mm. school handle it at the big sky level? Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cause, okay. Because yeah. when I say the quarterback, okay, yeah. Cannon Racanelli, he's going to carry the next generation. So you think by the time Cannon Rac- when he's done. That's when you the wheels think will start turning. That's that's when you think it's going to be the time. Like, okay, yeah. we can start knocking on uh, the big sky. This is a fifteen year. This is a fifteen year project starting this year. Yeah. Okay. And, I think I'd yeah. say to just kind of bolster that take. Like, if you just look, and you, you know, recruit like take recruiting rankings or ratings for what they are. But it feels like each year the state of Washington is just producing more and more elite talent. You know? Three star guys, and then obviously guys. those guys are going to be going to Utah, Wazoo, Oregon, that sort of thing, right? But then if the whole talent, if the state, like the in-state talent, is on the rise, that only like, yeah, the D only two f- schools, the D three school, like those are the schools that are also going to feel a huge impact from that because Absolutely. these are all schools that are. Have, have rosters composed of in-state kids, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, then, and then they'll have to decide between Central and Eastern in about fifteen years. Like, is Central yeah. going to be my school? Or is Eastern going to be my school? And I would argue Central will be the school that they pick. They will eventually. They will win. They will win the war. Central will win the war. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a kind of a. That's not even a hot take. That's like that's right. like a holy shit. Did you just say that? But yeah, Central. <laughs> yeah. Central, <laughs> Central. I think. I Although think, I mean, saying that 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 will be the case in like fifteen to twenty years. It's like, a very. I I don't I don't have a, I don't get. I that's don't a very. That's a that's, no. That's a, that's a measured. I mean, you don't know. Obviously, I don't I don't hold responsibility to any of these predictions. <laughs> but like, I think that's a very measured prediction. I think it's a good. Ta- I think it's like it's a hot take, but it's a good take because like you obviously have the realization that this is a, a long process like it's it just doesn't happen in the span of five years you know like this is a this is a long ordeal even once they get to the big sky yeah, or yeah, the division one double a letter it'll take, it'll take level, years to it takes yeah. it takes years to adjust to that and then you know once they get four or five years in there when they have ro- uh, rosters comprised of all scholarship you know so i think yeah. i think what you're saying is is very in touch with the situation that central washington has that's why it was my and last hot take. still so it's a <laughs> yes. combination yes 
All right, Jackson, let's hear what you got. Me? We're going snake right okay. now. So. Okay, this... Mine is going to burn the house down. Oh, okay, burn it down. This, this, hot, this take is incredibly hot as well. Um, so I know like you got... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope my take is hot. I don't think it will be, but I, I think Luke's got something just sizzling. But So I know during the spring football, you guys heard me talk about this guy a ton. And... I'm doubling down on how, how highly I spoke of him in the spring. And so here's my take. Fifth, fifth and final take. Desmond Patman will go from zero touchdowns in 2017 to 10 reception touchdowns oh, in okay. 2018. Oh, what? Yes. Oh, yes. Man. Yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> listen. Listen. Hear me out here. Yeah, I'd love to hear this. <clears throat> this guy... Like he wasn't, he he was not involved in the offense last year. It, it, he, you hardly saw him on the field. But g- the one game <laughs> that I actually saw Desmond Patman and he opened my eyes was the Apple Cup. He a- and and don't know, like it wasn't like he made a difference in the game or anything. But the catches that he was making, the the plays that he were making against a very good UW secondary. Oh no, you know I, I remember was, that. I was blown away. I was like, who is this guy and why is he not playing? And then leading into spring, watching him play all spring, going up against, you know, Deshaun Harpers, who, keep in mind, is a a very good defensive back in his own right. Uh, And he battled with guys like Marcus Strong, all these guys all summer and absolutely dominated. And and for a situation where you have Gardner Minshew coming in, and taking over for Luke Falk, which is obviously a tremendously hard situation. And I think when they get into the red zone, they're going to be looking for their 6'4", 220-pound wide receiver. This guy would be a tight end on any single offense (laughs) that is not WSU's. However, because he goes to WSU, this man is a wide receiver. And don't get me wrong, I don't think this guy is going to get over... Six seven hundred. I don't think he. I don't think he cracks six hundred yards. Like this is red zone. Like he is. He will be one of the best red zone threats in the country. And I have such a strong feeling about this because he dominates. Absolutely yeah. dominates some really good cornerbacks at WSU. And I imagine that that's going to translate. And not to mention, like this is not a guy that's going to be being game planned for coming in to, you know, teams aren't going to be saying, hey, you know, we need to watch out for Desmond Patton. Granted, you know, maybe later in the season, if it works out, they will be. But he is going to be slept on heavily. And I think he is going to have a hell of a year because this guy, I, and I you know, I've said this probably three times now, just a physical specimen. And he just goes up and dominates everyone at the point, at the point of the bo- point of attack. And I think... He has a legitimate case to score ten touchdowns this year. Last last receiver to have more than or to have double digit touchdowns was Gabe Marks in twenty sixteen. Okay, so we're gonna have our draft wow. episode the last week of July, and uh, we'll see if you put your money where your mouth is with that prediction. Yeah, the fantasy draft. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah oh, out. I will. Yeah, that's big. Oh, I will. The, the one thing I will. My understanding, and I could be totally off base here, of Washington State's offense is they like to have. Like obviously it's intricate and complex, but they like to have people with assigned roles that mm-hmm. master their craft, right? Yes. So that could that could 
be big for that date coming true. If he and, and I'll I'll be I'll be honest. I I have ran this. So when I back during spring ball, this is this take was conceived a long time ago. Like this yeah. is not something that I just thought of like a couple hours ago. <laughs> I went. I asked Theo Lawson like how like on a scale of one to ten, how hot is this take? And he was like twenty. That's yeah, out of that is out, out of, of control out of control hot Which would be and i was like okay okay perfect that's yeah. <laughs> that's the take <laughs> i want take right here and you get bonus points and, for the humble theo lawson reference <laughs> yeah oh and and dylan howe as well who's <sighs> not working at kook fan anymore but uh, i mean they both were in agreement that that is realms out of possibility like that's yeah. not happening and, and like you know you think about like how much the Cougs, you typically spread the ball out. I'm also banking on that Gardner Minshew and Desmond Patton will kind of develop this relationship here in the red zone, you know? Like, Luke Falk, kind of like a Drew Brees-esque where he's going to spread the ball mm-hmm. to a bunch of different guys. Yeah. I I have a feeling that it's going to change up a bit yeah. here in, in Gardner Minshew's one and only season. I feel like, he, he, you know, he's going to want to... Obviously, he's going to want to develop uh, relationships with all of his receivers. I just don't know if there's enough time for that yeah. to happen. There's not. You know, he's got to <laughs> he's got to pick his guys. What's going to help there is there isn't there is not an elder statesman. Either. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's well, he huge. kind of he is kind of the elder statesman, Desmond Patton. And here, yeah. what what I hate about this is what might get in the way of this is Tay Martin actually being the one who dominates and takes so many takes these touchdowns. And I didn't think I was going to admit this, but I was considering having my fifth and final take being Tay Martin and Desmond Patman combined for 18 total touchdowns. Wow. Which would have been... That might have been also, hotter. I, you know, <laughs> it would have been, because that would have been roughly nine, assuming... Uh, yeah, you know, nine, nine total touchdowns seven, each. Seven. And, you know... You would Assuming, need at least one of those to have a three touchdown game. They would have that, to be at okay, least one. And that also means that Gardner Minshew throws like forty touchdowns, or that he, those are like the only two people he. Loses. And how often does that happen <laughs> yes. when, when somebody throws yes. twenty five, but nineteen of them are two? Uh, two uh, plays. Yeah, and exactly, it's like you know you can't expect <laughs> you can't expect Gardner Minshew to do everything that Luke Falk has done. But like if you look Especially at their if he's numbers, get benched by week five. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. What I didn't say. I think he's gonna get benched. I said it's a possibility. Uh, yeah, that's why I was. I mean, yeah. we don't. Kn- we don't know what we're gonna ex- we're gonna get from Gardner Minshew. But like, if you look at, it, they're averaging about you know thirty five to forty touchdown passes, which is obviously a lot. But in an air raid offense, like you can probably expect to see at least thirty to forty, and. You know, this is this take. If it were to ever come true, obviously WCU would be having a fantastic season. Like that, you know, sure. that comes into play in this take as well. Yeah. So, there it is. Luke, you ready to burn the house down? Yeah, this take might not be quite as hot. Oh no! Don't which say is that. Unfortunate <laughs> because it has to follow a very, very, very. It has to follow a great act. But yeah, this one has made my friends angry. Not because mm. it's a bad take. It doesn't mean the Huskies are going to be bad. Actually, it would mean the Huskies are really good. It's just something that people refuse to take their blinders off and believe. <laughs> and Micah, I can't wait to hear a reaction on this one. Oh. Is Aaron Fuller will be first team all Pac-12. Ooh. I like, Dude, you know who would... Okay, before you even get into explaining this, you know who would be a huge advocate of this? John Gardner would be a huge advocate because I have Aaron Fuller guy. He is a huge Aaron Fuller guy, and I have heard him un- completely unsolicited talk about how 
how impressive he has been and the he's steps he's good. taken. I, yeah, uh, he I just want to tell you right now, I'm not upset with that, with that pick. I actually like okay, that. Okay, no, I just know that you voiced. If you said Andre Vachon, you have not personally for. Aaron Fuller, but just the Aaron Fullers of the world. Yeah, you know, right. The, the Andre Bocellis and Aaron Fuller doesn't play and, like one of those guys, though. He doesn't have that same playing style. He's much more. Yeah, he's, Aaron he's Fuller, much better route runner, I believe. Yeah, Aaron Fuller's good. He's more. Yeah, he's not just a burner. He's a guy that gets open. You know. So so he, he, here's my case for Aaron Fuller, and I'm glad to hear that we have a uh, an insider that agrees with this. So Aaron Fuller. Played in the second most snaps of any Husky receiver last year. This is long-winded, but we'll get there, right? Yep. Um, and one of the reasons for that is he played more in run snaps than any receiver on the roster because he's a good blocker, which is surprising. Right. But Pro yeah, Football Focus you, it is surprising. says that he's a very good blocker, right? But the, the fact of the matter is he's a guy that's going to be on the field. Washington likes to do RPO kind of stuff. So if you're on the field a lot, you're going to be an option, right? Absolutely. So Makes here's sense. where it starts to get big. In the final five games of the season, dust is starting to settle after all these injuries, right? It, we're getting into the home stretch. Aaron mm-hmm. Fuller averages 5.4 targets per game over the final five games, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're going to look at a guy like Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis in 2016, as in his absolute, he had a freak of a year, but he averaged 5.14 targets per game, right? Mm-hmm. As the second receiver. John Ross graduates, and Dante Pettis' targets per game leaps to 7.5, right? Yeah. So at least in recent history, if you're getting five targets a game in Washington's system and the guy ahead of you leaves, you're going to start to see in the <laughs> seven to eight targets a game range, right? Uh, who left ahead of Aaron Fuller? <laughs> well, so, so, Dante. No, so da- Dante's now gone. So it went from John okay, Ross okay. as the alpha right, 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 and then Dante okay. Pettis pl- playing second to at the end of the season, Dante was the guy, and then Aaron Fuller is right behind him, right? So now, assuming that Aaron Fuller, after Dante Pettis' departure, is the wide receiver number one in the in the waiting, and we didn't get to see Chico in spring, but spring would suggest that that's the case, mm-hmm. you can expect to see Aaron Fuller get somewhere from seven to eight targets <laughs> per game, right? And over 12 games, that's oh, somewhere gosh. around 90 targets, right? We'll assume he'll cast 60 yeah. of them. Right, so yes, yeah. last o- over that five game stretch, he a- caught exactly two thirds of the That's passes thrown his funny. way. <laughs> so sixty receptions, and if you do his <laughs> career average of like eleven to eleven and a half yards per per reception, you're looking at sixty receptions and seven hundred yards. If nothing changes in his actual like skill set, you know, yeah, he, he could bump he, he could bump up Fuller. that YPC. Right, exactly. Aaron Fuller could turn into a guy that they use in in, in different ways. He had some like he had some interesting games last year. He had a game where he had one reception for nine yards, one reception for four yards, and like one reception for like six yards, right? So you take those games out, and you could see his yards per carry start to kind of or yards per reception kind of jump a little bit, stuff like that. You know, and, and we're seeing Browning improves as well. Yeah. Playing twelve games, and then yeah. you look at the landscape of the oh, Pac-12. God. The only first or second team receiver returning is Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry is going to be a first team receiver again, right? There's yeah. no doubt about that. But the next best receiver in terms of stats coming back that got even honorable mention Pac-12 was J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, right? Who is also a freak. But oh, yeah, yes. he's a yeah. You know, but, like, there's not necessarily... You're not looking at a year where there's, like, you know... You're, you're looking at Darren yeah. Carrington and... No, it's, there's definitely a lot of unknowns, you know? There's yeah, like and, then someone... you look, and then you look even more... Look at the QB scene in the Pac-12. If you look at, like, if you look at... Quarterback ranking ratings in the Pac-12. Justin Herbert's number two. And how many games has Justin Herbert played for the Ducks? Like thirteen. <laughs> yeah. 
no, right? You know, sure. like he's a good quarterback. I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna doubt that, but like there there's some sort of a gap there between Jake Browning and the other guys. You know? Yeah. No. So, for sure. Aaron Fuller. This is the year of the Fuller. I like it. I I think we have some. I think that is a very that's a that's a very <laughs> hot take. But it's also like in the realm. It's more in the realm of possibility than my Desmond Patman ten touchdowns take. I was really trying to blow the top off with that one. Um, so I I I I think you're you're definitely onto something there. Well, to Luke's credit, I mean the numbers were just mind blowing. The logic's all logic was all there, but at the same time, yeah. you presented yes. you presented it in a way. That just gets you like fired up, gets you pumped up. Like, let's go, Aaron Fuller, yeah. one of yeah. like one of us, like a Washington football player, going for that old Pac-12, and he's an underdog. Like the Ty Jones stuff, that's easy. He's a he's an athletic freak, but Aaron Fuller, albeit he's not freaking Andre Bocelli, but he's like he's still like a small guy that's gonna have to like, you know fight for his catches, and and he'll always he'll never pass the eye mm-hmm. test. But this is the way you break it out numbers wise. Yeah, there's no reason why you can't improve on last season. Mm-hmm. But the, and it, but then it comes into the question where is it really going to be him absorbing those lost Dante Pettis targets, or will it be yeah. spread more evenly? Just because mm-hmm. John Ross gave it to Dante Pettis, what like there's no guarantee that Dante Pettis will just hand it off to Aaron Fuller. Yeah. For all we know, Ty Jones will get those extra targets, yeah, and he'll be Chico the one sixteen in a different different positioning. But We're assuming that between role. Ty Jones, Chico, Aaron Fuller. If look, if Aaron Fuller is going to be all Pac-12, Ty Jones and Chico, unless Utah wins a national championship and they just go fourteen and zero, they're not going to be able to support three, you know, all conference level receivers and offense. Yeah. Oh no, combined. Doubt. no doubt. So, yeah. so by well, you saying the, that, the you're Washington, also kind of yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the thing about Washington that hurts the most for things like this is that unlike the entire Pac-12, except for Stanford. Washington doesn't actually want to run plays on offense, you know? Yeah, no. Like, Washington would be content, like, running the ball 45 times and throwing it, like, 15 times and winning a 35.2-and-a-half-hour yeah. game, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, no. they just want to take the air out of the football. Uh, they're huddling up. Like, they're taking their time. They just want to win, which yeah, is, exactly. like, which is... And you know, so when great, you're by, but it's also when you're frustrating. By 14 in the second half, you're not going to start peppering Aaron Fuller and yeah, Ty right. Jones. Yeah. And you're everybody gonna, else you're going to take involved. the best running back in the history of the school and put it in his chest for the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. It, it's you know? it's so. a scary thought. And what I like about that is that it's a domino effect where it carries over to the other receivers and also to the tight ends. And also, where, you know, it's it just it's going to create such a domino effect if he comes all Pac-12. I think that's a great. I think you, I think you legitimately just burned the house down with that take. But hey, we got to get ready to you know get the hell out of here right now. Hey, um, upcoming in August, we're going to be going to uh, six total episodes. You know, normally do our four a month. You know, every single Tuesday, you'll still get your regular Tuesday show breaking down position battles, updates on you know your Washington teams. But then on every other Thursday, we'll be dropping an interview episode. And one of them confirmed is Sam McPherson. Uh, for the rest of this month, July, again, regular Tuesday shows. We got our fantasy draft coming up at the end of the month. I want to start breaking down these Elite 11 episodes again before we get into August because I, I always like making fun of those kind of YouTube series <laughs> stuff with Elite 11. Nothing, nothing we love more than making fun of high school kids. Yeah, you know? they're, they're, it's our we, we, we specialize in that. They're, yeah. they're very vulnerable, but at the same time, they're putting themselves out there, so they're fair for criticism. So, But any questions, <laughs> comments that you might have, send us an email to our very public and open email, micahchan at yahoo.com. Check out my articles on Cascadia Preps. Uh, you can read about Central Valley and Richland football. That's that's all up there right now and coming up this week. We'll and I, I I should say I read those and well done, Mike. Oh, those thank were you. some Aww. some great some great articles. Thank, yeah. thank you for reading, Jackson. And thank you to yeah. uh, several no. hundred people that have already read it because uh, 
<laughs> they, they take a long time to write, so it's always cool yeah. scene. And I'm, I'm sure it's anytime you write articles about football, it's always so it's you know it takes time. But uh, coming up this yeah. week, uh, we'll be talking a little Gonzaga prep football. Uh, you guys got got any articles, Luke? I know you said you had an article coming up about a defensive player. Yeah, so we've got J- Justice Warren article coming up. I talked to John Kitna to get some content for that, so you have that to look forward to. And every five days, I'll have a profile out on another player, counting down until there are zero days. What the fuck? So get excited for that. What, what happened to your audio, Luke? Oh, sorry. Does it sound weird? Yeah, you yeah. sound like a snowstorm right now. Oh, is it, well, is hey, it still bad? Hey, we'll just start getting out of here right now. Uh, Jackson, <laughs> uh, Jackson, uh, I know you got your 710 ESPN work right now, but uh, anything, yeah. anything else we got going on? No, not going to be anything until August, unfortunately for me with the, with the Evergreen. But that once we get to August, uh, it'll start picking up again. All right, so find us on Twitter at Micah underscore Chen, at Luke, M-O-U-N-G-E-R, and at Jackson M. Garner. For Michael, Luke, and Jackson, we're signing off. Thanks.